Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host on Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, I'm so excited. We're starting our 10th season and we are starting our 10th season with a blockbuster guest, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin Jr., who is the Senior Managing Principal and President of Genesis Capital Markets and Global Advisory. Kenneth, welcome to the program, and thank you for interrupting your extremely busy travel schedule to share your thoughts and insights on your business advisory services and your focus about blockchain. Kenneth, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having us, Daryl, and thank you for the opportunity this morning. We at Genesis, we are very excited for this opportunity, Daryl. We are grateful. And although our schedule may be busy, we will find a time to have a beautiful conversation with such a wonderful host at a wonderful radio station. So we're looking forward to sharing our knowledge and wisdom over the airlines today. Well, I, I tell you, uh, I, I feel very blessed because I, I actually was introduced to you because there was a speaking engagement that you couldn't do, and 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 they needed uh, someone to step in to talk about blockchain. And I consider myself a blockchain enthusiast because I'm new to it. And after I read your background, and the gentleman uh, said, "Oh well, uh, Kenneth might he, he he might come." I said, "Well, listen, if he comes, I'm not doing a presentation. I'm just going to have him come up there and do it because." Um, there's no way that I can say anything that's going to be as compelling as him saying one paragraph about uh, blockchain. But before we jump in about blockchain, can you share with our audience a little bit about your background and experience? Sure, sure. Uh, from a professional level, I started off at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and and I was there for a period of time. Uh, my Opportunities there led me to be a part of what they call the Term Asset Back uh, Liquidity Facility Program, better known as TARP slash TALF. And Daryl, as you remember, during that time, the economy took a deep hit here in the U.S. And so we had to really, on the TALF team, to reestablish the primary markets for lending and the secondary markets. So I had a great opportunity to work on the secondary market side with people uh, in Chicago, Loop Capital Markets, James Reynolds, uh, Williams Capital, and uh, New York City. So it was great to have the opportunity to learn about asset about securities and, and see how we were really, really structuring the marketplace to, uh, to create these jobs opportunities that you see now today. Uh, during that time, I became a Michael Mansfield Fellow. So I was handpicked uh, to become the first uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, as, as well as the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, Mike Mansfield Fellow. And that gave me a, a great opportunity, Daryl, to do some really high-level rotations. Uh, those rotations include working at the Bank of Japan, at the Tokyo Stock Exchange, uh, at the uh, Japanese Diet, uh, as well as the Japanese FSA. And while at the Tokyo Stock Exchange, I didn't realize this, but my colleagues, they kind of tapped me on the back and they said, you know, I think you're the first foreigner <laughs> who's on the trading floor. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't know that. That was the, one of those moments. That I said that was one of those wild moments. But then I had to go back to work <laughs> because, again, our job on, on the trading floor was to monitor and to execute the trades. And there was all done in Japanese. And oh. What was, yes. And what was beneficial? Yeah, was I you know I studied Japanese for 25 years 
as a as a exchange student at my uh, alma mater, Johnson C. Smith University. So it all came back in full circle, um, and it helps me now in doing business at Genesis Capital Markets because we do advise clients in, in Japan and Asia, and China and Korea, and I get the chance to go back and forth there once in a while uh, to meet with constituents and colleagues and friends. That is awesome. What an awesome background. And so you attended Johnson C. Smith uh, University, which is one of the historically black colleges in the United States, where you started to learn Japanese. That's awesome. Yes. You know, this is this is even a story behind that. Um, you know, they, they wanted to establish a program uh, with uh, Auburn University, which is the sister school Oakland University. So that was their first uh, time bringing a, a student to Japan. And Dr. Robert Albright, God bless his soul, uh, was the president at that time and wanted to, to get someone who had a solid uh, GPA. And I, I just happened to have a solid GPA at the time. And it, it, it changed my life, actually, because at that time, Darrell, I was speaking and learning French. So I was preparing myself to go to Paris. Oh, wow. And, and I mm -hmm. said, wow, let me take a twist of nature. And I wound up going to Tokyo. And it just really opened up my eyes. That is awesome. That is awesome. You know, I, I was on your, 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 your website, which is, which is great, great information, um, very helpful. And you have this statement. And it says that Genesis LLC is the boutique capital markets risk management and global advisory firm in New York, gathering a team of experienced advisors dedicated to seeing you reach your global goals. If you could, could you translate this statement for our audience is what is the business that Genesis engages in for its clients? Sure. And thank you very much, Daryl. We, we, we like to say we are boutique because we are a small firm in size, but we've been very fortunate to operate with some of the bigger firms in the mid-markets and large-cap space. And what we do as a firm, uh, we work with mid-market firms, and those mid-market firms tend to be firms in the IT space, information technology. So we advise information technology firms, reg tech firms, and we advise them on access to capital and the access to market. Access to capital, what we've done in that space, uh, we partner with firms like Rubicon Ventures. And Rubicon Ventures is, have a billion uh, network of uh, private equity and venture capitalists, individuals that include Andreessen Horowitz, Danny Mize, who is a well-known investor for Shake Shack that a lot of people like to go to. Uh, SF and Walden. So we are that firm that helped these guys and this, these, those businesses in attracting foreign investors. We also do what they call foreign direct investment. Uh, Genesis for several years were the, the provider to Japan Exchange Trade Organization, which is a government service entity in Japan, to help to find mid-market firms who have a solid management team that may want to operate in Japan. So we did that for a period of time, and that helped us to improve on our inventory and so forth. So that's what we call foreign direct investment, both outbound and inbound. And then we also started to do cross-border advisory, uh, which these firms at the mid-market level, they say, hey, we needed some help in terms of market segmentation. 
we need help. We're not just going to Japan, but we also need help to go into Europe, and we need help to maybe segment the uh, African market and South American marketplaces. So we started working hand in hand with the, the CEOs and C level executives, and really building out their strategy and helping them to execute at that level. And that provided us the opportunity to help them to raise capital at different stages. So we became more of that type of firm. And then we kind of moved over to blockchain. And it was one of our clients, actually, that, that actually an artificial intelligent client. I want to give a shout out to Yesiop. Yesiop is an artificial intelligence firm that's based here in New York, but also have operations in France. Uh, Yesiop uh, invited me to an event and said, hey, you need to start really looking at the blockchain space. And there, I tell you, when I went to my first blockchain conference about two years ago, I had that kind of aha moment. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's that moment that you say, oh, wow. I mean, you mean tell me they've been doing this for a long time? So I went to the first one and I said, okay, I, I'm, I'm getting a hand of it. You know, it's, 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 I realized it's going to take a while to really understand, you know, you know, the, the nuances of blockchain and what it is and nodes and, and what is a distributed ledger and everything else. So I wind up going to a second one and it was at that second one I decided, I said, you know what, I'm going to start speaking at these events. So I was approached by the coordinator for FinTech Week. And, and so I, I became a speaker at the FinTech Week about two years ago. I was very fortunate because the person who sat next to me on the panel was a gentleman who that's the founder of Bank X. And Bank X was is the largest asset tokenization blockchain project out there. So I, I, I had a chance to learn from some of the best uh, during that conference. And I just kind of said, you know, I like this. I like where it's going. And we were fortunate to be handpicked. You know, I didn't realize at that time, but we were being watched <laughs> by uh, the, the coordinator for the uh, Blockchain Economic Forum. And he invited me to speak as a featured speaker uh, for his event. And that's how we kind of generated the blockchain business. So we started advising blockchain startups. And then we went back to our model and said, let's focus mainly on the more mature blockchain firms. Because we really, really wanted to focus on the technology more so than the cryptocurrency. We really didn't want to touch that cryptocurrency side. But we want to concentrate on firms that had really good blockchain technology, you know, that really like supply chain, uh, peer-to-peer lending, you know, asset tokenization firms. Those are the firms and those are the projects that we really wanted to work on. And that's what we've been doing uh, thus far. Wow. That is, that, is, that is a phenomenal overview of how you got started in blockchain. Now, for our audience and for me, can you please give us you know, a, a layman's overview about what is blockchain and why is it important? It's, uh, that's a, uh, that's a very, I like, love that question there. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the better questions I've had, actually, even, even speaking on these uh, conferences. Uh, most people, Daryl, most people, when they think of blockchain, they think of it as Bitcoin. And I always like to say that you have to separate between the cryptocurrency or the just to be more politically correct, the crypto asset and the blockchain technology itself. Uh, Bitcoin was established, as you know, in 2009 
the pseudonym is called Satoshi. And the purpose behind Bitcoin was to solve the dilemma that you had in a typical payment processing system. So let's say, Daryl, you decide that you want to send me uh, funds to mobile payments, uh, and I would, you know, receive those funds. But the, the challenge that you have in today's environment is that you usually have a third-party vendor that would act as a, a subsidiary between you and I. And the, the challenges that that bring is that it takes a lot longer to receive those funds and the cost will be higher. So there's a cost for that service. So essentially what happened was that they created Satoshi or a group of people uh, created a system that would eliminate that third party vendor. As long as you have an open source, an open network, and as long as it was done on a digitized ledger. And that digitized ledger uh, will give you and I the opportunity to do script, will give the opportunity for us to do this transaction. Now, here's the key behind that. Um, it requires a large amount of energy. And because it required a large amount of energy, uh, and the energy was really occurring because you have what they call a mining component, where those miners would actually look for that transaction and they would verify it and make sure that it's a, a true transaction over a system. So the blockchain system itself, it's an open source system that allows for you and I to do transactions together, but we have to agree on certain things. And those things is what we call a consensus. Uh, that consensus to, could include who become a member of the actual system, how does we onboard or what's the onboarding process look like in terms of the you know your customer, uh, anti-money laundering, customer due diligence, uh, in terms of the actual what services are going to be used over the system. So the next step to the blockchain paradigm was Ethereum. Uh, Vitaly Bikaran, uh created Ethereum uh, with Andrew Keys and Joe Lubin and there's a third party, Steve. Uh, they sat down and they created Ethereum. And what was unique about Ethereum, Daryl, Ethereum became not just a typical payment solution system, but it created what they call these smart contracts. And those smart contracts allow for more greater instructions via what they call nodes. And in those nodes, you can do what they call peer-to-peer -peer lending. You can have supply chain. Uh, you can do asset tokenization. Uh, so now the blockchain technology was improving across different spectrums, asset spectrums. So when you look at blockchain, you have to look at it from the standpoint of an infrastructure. It's an infrastructure. At first, uh, it solved the problem of a centralized system. And if you think of a centralized system, Daryl, think of it as a wheel and a spoke. Right? So we went from that wheel and a spoke to a distributed ledger, uh, and, and that distributed ledger uh, included multiple wheels and spokes to a unified distributed ledger. And that unified distributed ledger is what we call the blockchain system. Uh, and each and every day, it gets much more complex because now what you're finding, Daryl, is you're finding that people are moving away from just having it, the normal applications to now improve into hyperledgers. So it's, it's the great thing about blockchain is that the technology is constantly changing. 
and that we all know verse to it. You and myself, I mean, people like to say that I'm an expert, nowhere close to that. I'm still learning the system itself, but it's it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. Wow. You know what? I've heard quite a few folks talk about blockchain, but the way that you have just broke it down is just phenomenal. It, 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 it just reinforces uh, what I've been learning over the last few months. FYI, I'm actually enrolled in an MIT blockchain course that starts next week. Oh, wow. That's one of, you know, that, that's um, Christina Dolan. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to her. She used to be a part of MIT Lab, um, as well as Michael Casey. Michael Casey and I were down at the Bahamas together at uh, the inaugural Bahamas uh, blockchain conference down there. And you, that's a great program, Daryl. I mean, that's one of the better ones. But I would, I would venture that maybe you need to enroll at NYT, New York Institute of Technology, uh, Genensis, we've been fortunate to be working one on one with NYT, and we're going to be uh, overseeing their blockchain initiative that they have in New York City. So you're more than welcome to go to NYT. <laughs> well, I tell you, um, I, I will certainly do that. <laughs> you know, the more you know, I, I believe the more I dive into uh, blockchain, the more applications I see within the information industry, which is, you know, my, my core background. Uh, but this interview is about you and not about me. So let me switch it back to blockchain if, if I could. Um, you talked about these miners. Um, these these miners, are they like the gatekeepers in, in blockchain? You know, that's a, that's a good question as to whether they are the gatekeepers. Some people there would, would say they are because they have a control of the, over the supply and demand uh, within the industry. Um, I, would, I would venture to say that to a certain degree they are uh, because, as you know, a large percentage of the mining is done out of China. Uh, I would say a good 80% of the mining is done out of China. Uh, there's been some movement in terms of the actual hardware going to Canada and, and Denmark and other uh, cold nature countries. Because when you look at mining, they, they are machines. They're actual machines uh, that sounds like uh, a bunch of bees. Now you hear the buzzing sound of machines because it requires a large amount of energy to, to look at the algorithms and the codes. So that's what mining is all about, is finding these transactions and matching them up and verifying it. So I, I would say to a certain degree, yes, they, they are the gatekeepers of the industry. Now, here's the thing, Daryl, you necessarily don't need miners. So you do have other blockchain applications uh, that is non-mining uh, applications. So you do have hyperledgers uh, that's non-mining. You do have, I believe, uh, I believe Stellar uh, or Ripple, uh, one of the two, that's a non-mining uh, blockchain application. So it's not required to have mining. Uh, and when you do eliminate the mining feature, it requires you to go much more deeper into the coding. So you have to find a way to make up via the coding uh, that's being done. And I think in this day and age, you're going to find that mining is going to be less of a less of an apparent on a blockchain ecosystem. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Kenneth A. Goodman Jr., who is the Senior Managing Principal and President 
of Genesis Capital Markets and Global Advisory. And I, I wanted to quickly move into two exciting projects that you are working on. One is the Borderless Trade Blockchain Crypto, Crypto Alley in Switzerland. And the other one is the uh, Digital Asset Management Fund. Um, share with us about this very exciting projects that you're working on. Thank you very much, Daryl. You, you, you got great uh, memory there. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate this. Uh, the Borderless Trade Blockchain came about, you know, you, you get these moments, and I like to say, uh, Michael Jackson, we all have this driller moment. You know how Michael Jackson... Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, and it's just like, Driller was this Michael Jackson, you know, greatest album. Though some people, Daryl, may argue, and they would say it's off the wall. I'm a huge off the wall fan. But the Driller was that moment where you, all these things come together. And the Borderless Trade Blockchain Project essentially took two different experiences. The right. first experience it took was the time when I was selected to be a part of the White House Business Council, Business Forward on a Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. So I spent time, I went to the White House, and I sat on a committee uh, with executives from Boeing, from Caterpillar, and from other firms around the country to talk about the benefits of TPP and how it would allow for foreign operations, foreign trade, cross-border trade to be done in those 12 nations. And we all agreed that the seven pillars of TPP made sense. I mean, had the environmental issues I was covering. There was a data component that was interesting, Daryl, that actually TPP addressed in terms of firms allowing for that home country to have access to data information. So there was a database, a big data component to it. Uh, And there was other factors like small media enterprises and everything else, lending, uh, working with GSEs. So government service entities. So I, I took that experience and, and I meshed that with my experience when I was at the Mike Mansfield Foundation. And when I was at the Bank of Japan, I did a research on the Chinese renminbi. And instead of calling it a, a, a currency that was being manipulated, there I used the term that it was a managed float. Oh. And, and yes, and, and the reason why I said it was a managed float because they were strategically pegging against certain uh, fiat currencies. And so they were creating a a ceiling and a floor, and in creating a ceiling and a floor, it allows them to have a a more stabilized uh, volatility. So the volatility is not as volatile in terms of interest rates, it's more stabilized. Right, right. And and that was important for China, because as you know, China's growing, the last thing they wanna have is this instability in rates. You know, as real estates were growing up in prices, you don't want to have this kind of instability when it comes down to rates. So I, I combine those two together. I said, what if it's one of those aha, what if moments? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I went and I look at all the clients that Genesis was advising, and we were advising clients in trade finance, we were advising clients in supply chain, we were advising clients and payments clearing and settlement across the blockchain spectrum. So we were advising clients across those different areas, including intellectual property and insurance. I said, what if we put all this in one particular smart contract, or maybe four or five different smart contracts, 
And what if we allow for that transaction to occur at once? You know, where, as you know, with trade finance, it takes at least anywhere between two to four weeks to execute a cross-border lending facility. Mm. But here, in the blockchain space, uh, from a historical perspective, and it actually was done very recently, HSBC did a trade finance deal that took, took it about two hours to execute. And so... And, and, and the unique thing about it is that you don't have to have all this documentation and all these different steps. So if you're doing a trade, a cross border trade, you can have the insurance to be covered. You can have your intellectual property rights to be covered. You can have the payments and settlement to be done. Uh, all those things are done instantaneously. You do it over a platform that is a stabilized price platform. So now you're assured to have the prices and agreements to be in place. And so that's how we became up with the borderless trade blockchain. Uh, we've been very fortunate now to be recognized by the Switzerland Enterprise Business Zones. And so we were very fortunate to uh, have conversations uh, with representatives from Zurich, from Zug, which is Crypto Valley, uh, from Lucerne, and from Basel. Uh, to talk about whether or not Genesis uh, wants to be a part of the incubators in Switzerland. So we've been working on our beta at the moment. We were working on our beta with uh, representatives from India, uh, as well as we're looking at some individuals here in the U.S. Uh, we're having private conversations with IBM. Uh, so it's at a very beginning stage. But the great thing about it is that we were selected uh, for the idea. Um and, and we're very, very fortunate to, uh, for those counterparties. Uh, for the Digital Asset Fund, the Digital Asset Fund basically, and that's at also at a very beginning stage, uh, we are working, because we do work with the top 100 to top 200 crypto assets, we take a stand at Genensis that we really, really focus on the enterprise value of a blockchain project. And oftentimes people ask, what does that mean? Because everyone, when they look at blockchain, they think of crypto assets and they think of trading the cryptocurrency because there is volatility. So you can hedge your bets. We wanted to focus, Daryl, on a value long-term perspective. We wanted to concentrate on the management team, uh, how well they actually understand blockchain technology, uh, what's their strategy, uh, can they actually make revenues off their blockchain technology uh, do they want to expand overseas uh, do they have a good solid uh, governance risk and compliance culture so we went back and we really focused on those types of firms and and we figured that one of the things that we can do is to create a fund that follows anywhere between the top 10 to 20 of those firms in the top 100 to 200 because we realized that the 100 to 200 usually shifts very fast so we understand that happening so we we really concentrate on that top 100 uh, area and you can create a value appreciation fund uh, that allow for investors to invest uh, in the fund uh, they can get a significant amount of return uh, at the same time, uh, the benefit to that is that they're investing in blockchain technology uh, for the long term. So those are the two projects that we've been working on now. Uh, we will work with 
some investors. Uh, we've been meeting a lot of investors uh, in New York City, as well as getting calls from around the globe. And we were, we were very excited about it. We, we think that we uh, have a great opportunity to uh, do both um, at a meaningful time in this space. Absolutely. And Kenneth, believe it or not, we are out of time, but we've got to have you back on the program. But before we go, if you could, how can someone get in touch with you and your team? Sure, sure. We, we are based in New York City. And, and typically what we do, Daryl, uh, because we, we frequently travel uh, much. I mean, I, I, as you know, we travel a lot these days. You can reach us directly on site at um, HTTPS uh, backslash genesiscapmarkets.com. Or you can always call us directly at uh, 646 844-1870. That's the office direct line number. You can always find us on Telegram at Genensis. That's our Telegram name. Or you can go on our LinkedIn site. We're very active on social media. Uh, we have a Genensis LLC LinkedIn site that you can reach us through the LinkedIn site. So you can find us in many different avenues, uh, Daryl, and, and we will make ourselves available. That is that is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our guest, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodman Jr. He's a senior managing principal and president of Genesis Capital Markets and Global Advisory. Kenneth, thank you for coming on and talking about this very exciting topic of blockchain. Daryl, thank you very much for having us. Uh, if I can add one thing uh, quickly. before we leave. <laughs> quickly. Quickly. Yes, quickly. Uh, we are having an event at Chong Kong Graduate School of Business on September 28th. Chang Kong Graduate School of Business is, is known for Jack Ma. He went to that school in China and they have a New York operation and Genesis will be co-hosting the event uh, there uh, to talk about blockchain as well as to have a panel discussion with some very uh, top-notch executives in the blockchain space. Daryl, you are welcome to join. Those who are listening, please, you're welcome to join the event and um, hopefully we'll be able to have uh, share, exchange some knowledge in this space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Kenneth, for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend on Leadership with Darrell Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. I want you to have a great weekend, but remember, leadership begins with you.